Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. Joining us is somebody who is responsible for waking up a whole lot of turf this time of year. Our guest is Sean Emerson. Sean is the Director of Agronomy at Desert Mountain in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he's also a member of the Arizona Golf Hall of Fame. Sean and his team are responsible for managing six golf courses. And on this podcast, Sean is going to discuss what the early fall is like and some of the tactics he uses during overseeding and what other practices are performed to get the golf courses ready for the busy season in Arizona. We're glad that Sean was able to take the time to join us. We know that you're going to find his thoughts interesting, regardless if you're managing cool season or warm season turf. Well, Sean, thanks for joining us. It's awesome to have you on the podcast. We're recording this podcast on October 2nd. And the first thing I want to ask you is what is life like at Desert Mountain right now? I always describe September and October as control chaos. And the reason being is uh, we're done with the Bermuda grasses and we're getting ready to oversee the golf courses. So I have golf courses where I have staff seating right now. I have golf courses where we're scalping or getting ready for seating. And then I got golf courses that are growing in. So I'm all over the map. And this year I'm actually building a par three and rebuilding another golf course. So it's, it's a hectic October right now. Yeah, what is that like for you doing two big construction projects this time of year? And are these the first really major construction projects you've done since you've been at Desert Mountain? No, they're not the, the first major because uh, we've actually built a few golf courses since I've been here. But I guess I meant renova- renovation-type projects. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, God, the most important thing in this world is surround yourself with good people. And that's where it starts. And, and then you, I, I, you have to make sure that you you got a team that is uh, well-centered of um, what you're doing, and you have to just have a goal and objective and put everybody on the same page. Um, so I think that that's kind of, um, kind of my main thing of setting up the team first. I think most people, you know, they worry about the timing of the grass. They worry about when they're going to do everything. But the first thing you got to do is you got to put a well-equipped team around. For our people that haven't spent any time at Desert Mountain or maybe don't know as much about it, what type of team do you have there, and how do you structure a staff like the one you have? Well, I have. Uh, people are going to, you guys will flip out uh, and think, wow, he's got a, the world. But I have approximately 200 people that work with me. I have six golf course superintendents because I have six courses. I have two what we refer to as agronomists. Um, they're above the superintendents, but they kind of work on OSHA things and construction and everything. And then we have a well-equipped staff. Uh, got two assistants on each course, and then about 20 to 25 uh, crew members on each course. So getting them all on the same page um, and trying to build consistency from golf course to golf course. The members don't like it when they play one golf course and it's different so the line that i always tell everybody they always ask me how do you manage six and soon to be seven golf courses and i say i don't i manage one golf course and i just repeat myself six or seven times what are the summer months like what is it like getting ready for that really busy stretch that begins in september are you doing projects or do you kind of give your staff some time to refresh and recharge before you go into some of these intense agronomic practices? Yeah, that's a great question, because I interviewed a gentleman from Minnesota yesterday, superintendent, thinking about coming to Arizona, and he, 
he asked me what the, like that question, and I told him it's our guys hate the summer because there's more uncertainty. We are doing a lot of projects, but what's happening is our membership staying through the summer too, and they want great conditions then also. So I have to kill the ryegrass in May or June, and in, in 30 days or less, they want a perfect Bermuda grass golf course, which is very hard to do and usually related to weather. So that's becoming more difficult than the actual winter season. Downtime, you got to kind of take it as you go. And I, I, I sort of equate it to like repairing for greens for tournaments. That you can't be tournament condition greens all the time. Two or three weeks before a tournament or two, three weeks after a tournament, you have to have a healing process. So I really make sure our staff pays attention to the hours they work and how many days they work. And we set goals for each other of how many days off a year we want and how many days, hours a week we work. And we had to really put that as a main target for us. When do you start overseeding your first golf course? Uh, September 15th. Sultans and Tim Morgan and uh, Fred Yelverton and Tom Waschke that consult for me tell me the best. The probability of having the best overseed would be October the 1st. But since we're multi-courses, we have to slide a little bit forward. So we start September 20th on a couple courses, and we end seeding a couple golf courses on October 15th or 20th. So we have that whole month that is just hectic. And then um, all the golf courses are back in play sometime in the first week of November. What's that first week of November like? How much excitement, anticipation is there? Explain how your your, your crew feels by that, that time and how, how your members are feeling. Well, the crew feels wonderful because it's back to a routine, very structured, and the consistency of day-to-day is back in their life. And so they feel relieved about that. Uh, we actually enjoy the golfers being out there. and But the golfers, they want it to be perfect the moment they come back. And we still have to go through um, many, many things of getting the golf course ready. So like a, an overseeded golf course in my world, uh, it takes about 45 days to get a golf course from seeding to what I would say ready to really play. We open up in 24 days, but for the next three weeks, we'll have um, different procedures that we have to do to get the golf course really ready for play. So it takes about 45 days to be ready. So Thanksgiving's always like our target week to be uh, really ready for the season. When do you start planning for overseeding, and when do you start discussing it? You said you start in the middle of September, but when do the conversations and some of the, the product gathering begin for you? Well, you know what? That's a great question because I managed two grasses here, cool and warm season turf, and I broke that apart a couple years ago, Guy, and the biggest thing is it never ends. We are, we are writing down things right now for next year and preparing ourselves of what we didn't like, and do that. Um, and then about 60 or 90 days away, we probably, about 90 days away, we get the, uh, the chemicals or the fertilizers and those things very specifically uh, finalized um, and then down to the moment. And then right when we start, it always changes. And we write a 52-week program at Desert Mountain, um, and the goal is that to have, I always tell the guys, I want 80% of the program to stick and I want 20% of the program to always change because weather's always changing or priorities are always changing. And if I change more than 80% of the schedule, I probably didn't have a good schedule to begin with, 
and if I change less than 20%, uh, my guys probably didn't take the opportunity to take advantage because I don't know if it's going to be a wet, cold, rainy year or dry, hot. you got to be prepared for both sides. How have the physical tactics involved in overseeding changed over the years since you've been at Desert Mountain? What are some things you do with it now that maybe you didn't do when you, when you started? Well, we start a lot earlier than we've ever had with, like, the verticutting and the prepping. Um, we might start 45 days out before we seed and lightly start verticutting, removing the biomass, where before we kind of wait to the end and did it all at once and were very aggressive. Today's philosophy in Arizona is probably more light. Start earlier, constantly lowering the mowing heights uh, before overseeding. And then the week before I overseed, I actually raise the heights so the mowers can scalp down easier. So it, it, it's, a, it's a process. The hard part is keeping the golfers satisfied at that time because the golf course is changing all the time. And as we all know out there, the golfer or the member, they really like consistency. They don't like us changing things on their, on that. Sean, how prevalent is overseeding in Arizona? Is everyone still doing it or are courses phasing it out? And how important is overseeding to the, the business of a golf course like Desert Mountain? Well, for Desert Mountain, overseeding is our lifeblood right now because we have about $3 billion worth of real estate on this property. Um, but the attitude in Arizona is really changing. And water, the, the, the amount of water. Uh, there could be a drought next year or two years, which will affect. I would say what everybody's doing is we're overseeding less area. We're not using less seed per acre, per se. But we may not, if you have an 80-acre golf course, you may only oversee 40 acres. At Desert Mountain, what we do is we may have some golf courses that are all 80 acres are overseeded, and we actually skip a golf course every three or four years from overseeding um, to give it rest so we can improve its Bermuda base and get rid of Poana. Um, but it, typically in Arizona right now, we're referring to overseeding as more of a partial where they only may do tees, fairways, and greens. So during this mid-September to late October time, you're not just overseeding these golf courses. What are some other practices you're doing to get them ready for, for peak play? Well, one of the things that we have to do is you have to time as your greens. I have bent grass greens, so we have to get in there and airify and top dress them, verticut them to get ready for the season. Um, that usually happens about two weeks before I prep the golf course. Uh, weed control is very important out there. Um, uh, make sure that you get all your non-turf related things done like trimming your trees and your landscaping done so we have a set timeline that like in august or july what do we do september what do we do to get a golf course ready and it's like oh brand it's like a brand new golf course every year to people the last thing you do to grow in a new golf course is put the grass on it so clean the bunkers out check the drainage of the bunkers go through everything so that's kind of our our main, uh, our main focus right now is to do that. So it, it, it's almost like somebody back there in history opening up a new course. Well, we're doing it every year. Uh, new accessories, flagpoles. You know, we, we, we kind of try to give a new fresh start to the year. And only our year starts in October. How tough is it to catch up on any of those practices if you fall, fall behind on them? How tough is it to do it when people start playing the golf course heavily in November? Well, my, you know, my brother's a baseball coach, and he's with the Oakland A's. And, and he told me something that was very interesting. Yesterday was the playoff game, the 163 for a lot of teams, Chicago, Milwaukee, and all those. The first loss of the season in game one is just as important as the last. So you, 
so the, the thing is, you just got to be ready from the beginning um, and get your year started. And I think a good plan helps you with that. And then you got to be willing to be flexible to change it as you go. So I, I think that that's probably what I've I've learned the most. And there's things I can't control. Today it's a pouring down rain on a golf courses, and I don't know how bad it's going to be. And I probably don't worry about it as much as I used to. I just deal with it at the end. I think we make ourselves more stressful in this world by trying to deal with the unknown. And I would tell everybody out there, until it happens, it didn't happen. And just kind of let it happen and then go into plan. But doing good, prepare, preparing yourself for a plan of how to handle it is always uh, always good. So we always sit down and write some plans. And, for example, if it's going to be a hot overseas where the temperatures are elevated, we know we're going to come in with Primo and other uh things to do if it's going to be a cold one we know what we're going to do with our fertility so we just kind of prepare ourselves script it out bill walsh for the san francisco 49ers used to script out the first 20 football plays of the game well i'm trying to script out the first 30 days of overseeding what will i do if this happens you know that's kind of my plan of attack right now is it like football do you know when you have enough points on the board and you did your job successfully is there a point in november where you could tell it all all came together yeah, you know, I, I usually can tell before the members. And I think the, the, the thing is you have to be honest to, to yourself. And you know when you're successful and you know when you're not. And then you know if you made a mistake. And I think that that's the key to it is that if you're looking for others for a pat on the back, you probably picked the wrong business. What you have to know is trust in, trust in your team, trust in certain people that, that are around you and, and tell you the truth about, well, this is a good condition course or not. Because I can tell you right now, it's very hard out there in the golf world to meet everybody's expectations with the economics that they're giving us. At the employment rate is, or the cost of employment, cost of water, you know, and, and, and then everybody turns around and says, well, you have to be better than you were in the past. And, and that's, that's very difficult on us, and I'm not so sure it's realistic anymore. So let's go in reverse a bit. Uh, late March, April's when a lot of golf courses in cool weather spots are opening up and getting ready for the season. What is late March and April like at Desert Mountain when you're coming to the end of the peak season? Yeah, it's great because the ryegrass looks so beautiful. I mean, we're as good at golf courses as there are out there. But you have to be already thinking about what's going on with the Bermuda grass. So even though I'm really good in April and March, I'm actually starting my transition by lowering mowing height, light verticutting fairways. Um, it's sort of like uh, uh, I would imagine it being pregnant that I have to start preparing for the baby. So what I do good well for me is also good for the baby. Well, in this situation, the baby's Bermuda grass, so I, I just can't forget about it. You just and that's what I say. It's always nonstop, and yet it's our busiest time of golfers. And you got to remember that they're here to play golf. And I think that's a big mistake a lot many superintendents make is they forget why we're really out there. Well, we're out there for people to play the game of golf. Do you ever miss a traditional winner? I haven't had one in so long, I'm not sure what that <laughs> is. <laughs> but but I'll tell you what I, I, I miss the most, and that, and that is in this business is the camaraderie, knowing what you've accomplished. It just seems like I just... Um, I, I can understand, like, Nick Saban in football. I just, he just wins the national championship, and the next day he's on an airplane to go recruit. 
for the next year. And I can understand that that's the stress. So I'm not sure the guys in the north how they feel about it or they shut down, but it just seems like I, if I win the game today, I've had the Charles Schwab Cup, and I've had tremendously success with that tournament. And then the next day I have to worry about transition. You know, So I have to get on that airplane and, and recruit for the next year. And that's probably the most difficult part of my job. And a, a few other things here. When does the course under renovation, when are you scheduled to reopen that, and has that kind of forced you to shift personnel around this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually uh, hired some guys from the north because uh, we're going to cool season turf, bent grass fairways on, on Renegade and Chiricahua, and we're building a brand-new par-3 course, and we're going to have bluegrass and fescues, tall fescues. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to rethink my whole premise of how I'm going to operate. And But the good part about it is I get to focus in on making a golf course all the time the same grass. Or before, I, like we just talked about, I'm changing. So I'm looking forward to that where I don't have to tear it up every year. Um, one of the things God tell everybody is I'm on the phone. I think that's still the best tool in this business is talking to other people and getting their input. A lot of people, my friends, and Curtis Tyrell, Matt Schaefer in Pennsylvania, Dan Mearsman in Pennsylvania, uh, Eric Pulse in Southern California. I, you, talk, you talk to different people, and they, 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 they're more than willing to help you and give you advice what to look for or not what to look for. And that and that's the most important, fun part of my job is talking with fellow, fellow peers and finding out what's the new trend going on or what should I look for. Well, Sean, it was great to catch up with you. Thanks for taking some time. And I know our listeners are going to appreciate hearing your thoughts. And if you do get the time this winter, you should come north. Snow isn't that bad. Well, actually, I will be because uh, my son, believe it or not, he's a baseball player from Arizona, but he's going to college in South Dakota. And so I asked him, why are you going up there to play baseball? And he said, well, I want to try something different. And uh, on his recruiting trip, I left Arizona. It was 81 degrees in February, and I got there in Sioux Falls. It was one degree. So I'm going to be up there a few times in the spring, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for the invitation.